This is Xane Anderson and welcome again to The Principal Podcast. Today, I am thrilled to have Cheryl Knowlton with me on the show. Cheryl is the CEO. She's the Chief Energy Officer at Dynamite Productions. I've got to tell you, I don't know if I've met someone as driven and as passionate in just getting stuff done as Cheryl. She, when, when she decides she's going to do something, she just goes full bore and you better watch out because she's coming. She began speaking in an early age. She's never stopped. She speaks, uh, she's, she speaks all over the country. I know she's written multiple books. She's, she's ran uh, 31 half marathons and is going for even more. I could go on and on, but I just want to welcome Cheryl Nolan. Thank you for being on the show with us today. Oh, Xane, thank you so much for having me. And it should be noted that you were an amazingly fabulous guest on my podcast, Magnifying Brilliance, and I'm so happy about that. So everybody should hop over after you're done listening to this episode and check that one out because it was it was high octane. It was it was fabulous. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me on that. I appreciate <laughs> that. So so one of the things we were talking about before this, I know you have daughters who are independent and somehow and they're successful, they're independent, they go for their dreams, they go for what's important, what they're passionate about. How did you raise daughters who are, I guess, frankly, like you? Gosh, and that that's a double-edged sword, right? So I, I am incredibly blessed to be the mother of four amazingly beautiful adult daughters. My oldest daughter is 35, um, and they and my youngest is 25. They are all married, they are all mothers. Um, my second child has four uh, of her own, my oldest has two, and my youngest has two, and my third is the only one who is not able to biologically have children of her own, but she has adopted two beautiful Native American boys through the foster care program in the state of Utah, which if anybody knows anything about adopting Native American children, it is nothing short of a miracle. So I, yeah, they are, they are a miracle. They are supposed to be in our family and, and we absolutely love them having been adopted myself. Um, I especially appreciate that. And then I inherited um, five incredibly amazing bonus children when I married my sweetheart in 2022 or 2020. Uh, wow. 2002, um, 2002, well, all the years we'll, uh, we'll get it right. We just celebrated our 21st anniversary early this year. So Having four independently minded um, and now incredibly talented, brilliant daughters of my own. How did I do that? I that's a that's a big, that's a great question, and I think I think they came from heaven that way. Um, it in, in large measure measure, and then I I think I came from heaven that way, and so and so just you know them um, watching me observing me living life, um, their, their father, um, bless his heart. Um, he's since passed away two years ago, almost to the day he had bipolar disorder. And so I was, I was, um, often a single parent long before I was a single parent. Um, he was not ne necessarily able to really, um, be a great parent with me and, um, so my children's independence probably came a lot from circumstance and life and the, the way that the heavenly father sent them to this earth. Um, yeah. So they're, they're all amazing. 
Isn't that interesting? I think sometimes, you know, you mentioned that you were adopted. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Are you... Yes, of course. What would you like to know? Tell us, tell us about that. I just, you, you say, can you tell us the story? Yeah, sure. I was, um, I was born in the late 1960s in California in the Bay Area to uh, two teenagers who were in not in any position to to get married. Um, my biological mother um, prayed so hard for a miracle and being able to keep me, and she um, that that miracle did not wind up coming out in quite the way that she um, wanted it to initially. Um, she was the third child of seven of a Mennonite preacher and his very livelihood depended on his ability to provide for his family. And um, he also taught school. And so third child, age 16, getting pregnant was not in the cards. He did not deal with that well. She was extremely close to him um, prior to my coming on the scene. And after that, it, it really changed the dynamic of their relationship, unfortunately. Um, and uh, so after I was born, she, uh, she kept praying for a miracle. She waited for the last hour of the last day, um, six weeks after I was born, before she finally signed the papers under threat of being disowned by her family and not having any place to live. And there wasn't a lot of support for um, single moms back in the late 1960s, not like there is today. And uh, so she, she signed the papers and I, I went from... Uh, living in a foster care situation for six weeks to the arms of my joyful parents, um, my adopted parents, who I was their only child. They had tried for 13 years to have me, and they were nothing short of over the moon when and I um, came into their lives. Copernicus called and verified I, I became the very center of the universe. For them. Yeah, for them, for sure. Interesting. So here you have this very unique uh, upbringing, and then you, and then as you, your dad, can you share more what happened after that? Your dad? Yes, your yes, yes. So for um, a little more than four and a half years, um, the Copernicus situation remained very firmly intact, and life was perfect and glorious and wonderful, and I was adorable and charming, and and everything was perfect, and they weren't. They weren't wealthy by worldly standards, but I had everything that I wanted and needed, needed in spades, um, love and affection and attention and, and uh, just joy. And um, grandparents on both sides who lived close by, I mean, everything was, was really fabulous. I'm so grateful that I'm blessed with such a solid, strong memory of that um, because it came to an end. And shortly before my fifth birthday, my angel mother became one herself when she passed away. Um, for me, it felt very sudden from a brain tumor that by the time they found it, it had metastasized and had gone everywhere in her body and there was nothing medically that they could do. And so my, my poor dad, bless his heart, this is not what he signed up for. It's not what he expected. It's not, he didn't know how to navigate, how to handle it. And he started dating rather quickly. He went to parents without partners or an, an organization like that. It was a Christian-based um, organization. And he, he started dating. He dated a lot of women, um, some of whom were awesome and some of whom were not. And unfortunately for both of us, he would tell you that if he were here, um, 
you're not saying anything we wouldn't say if he were right here. He married one who was in the not category. And she announced after they were married that she detested children and didn't want to have any and uh, suggested to him that he return me to the adoption agency like I was a puppy that didn't work out because after all, I wasn't really his. <laughs> and yeah, no way. No way. I was I was still the center of his universe. Um and with that idea being thrown out, she then suggested that I be sent off to a boarding school in Colorado. Colorado is a beautiful, wonderful state. I love it. I don't know why she picked that, but whatever. Um, two states away from, or three states away from California. And I don't know, whatever. Um, when he said no to that also, um, I believe it was divine orchestration that, um, they found a family that lived right around the corner that had a son that was just older than I was, uh, about three and a half years older, and a daughter who was about six weeks younger than I was. And um, they were looking to babysit a child before and after school. And that's, uh, that's how that started. I wound up living with them for nine and a half years during the week and coming home on weekends. So, uh, yeah. Is that what you're saying? Staying overnight during the week and only coming home on weekends? That is correct. Weekends and holidays. I came home to be with my dad. My stepmother still wouldn't look at me or talk to me or have anything to do with me for the vast majority of my, of my, of that time. Um, yeah, I didn't become human to her until I was about 17. <laughs> Interesting. You know, I've got, I've got this theory, Cheryl, and, and it, and let me just tell you my theory. Sometimes we have these really, really hard things happen to us. And my theory is that the stuff that's most painful for us at some point becomes our superpower. Ooh, I, wonder I love that. If, if, if we, you know, we have these things that are pain. I mean, who loses their mom when they're four or five years old like you did? That's got to be something that's extremely traumatic to a four or five year old and mm -hmm. then has a stepmom who doesn't want to talk to you and now in my view from where i stand after hearing this story i see you've become a, a well-known public speaker who people actually pay to speak to uh, lots of money to hear you speak and <laughs> who would have thought that when i was six and a half years old that's right so so some you know so here you have this stuff that frankly sounds very painful and now you've 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 let your pain become your superpower, and I think that's amazing. Um, and now you've become a very independent. You're successful. You've you've chosen a career that takes. Let's be honest. To be a public speaker and you're successful at it, that takes bravery. That takes uh, a high level of drive. It takes a high level of uh, um, passion to get it done. And now you've raised daughters who can do the same thing. My hat's off to you, literally. I mean, I don't have a hat right now, but you, you hear what I'm saying? Um, but when we were talking about this, I, you, you mentioned something I want to maybe we could touch on. You mentioned um, when, you're, when your daughters would want to do something, when they wanted to have something, they wanted, you would ask them questions, you would allow them to work for it, you wouldn't just give it to them. Can you talk a little bit about that, perhaps? I owe that to my dad. Um, if I wanted something, I remember the first thing I really wanted that was um, beyond the normal allowance of earning that was I really wanted um, 
I saw the movie Ice Castles. I was probably 13 or 14 years old. And I, I, I thought, I want that. I want to do that. I want to be that. And I wanted ice skating lessons. And, and so my dad said, yes. And I hadn't done anything like that really ever. And so he was excited and supportive. And the first thing I really wanted was, um, was, ice, was my own pair of ice skates. I didn't want to rent them. I wanted my own. And he told me, absolutely, if you want anything in life, you can have it if you're willing to work hard and, and earn it. And I thought, okay, that's fantastic. I love that. And, and I know not everyone heard that childhood message growing up. And I, I have a lot of um, friends and clients who had a totally different money story growing up. Um, I certainly have my own messed up version of things, despite how awesome he was with that. And so I tried to pass that along to my daughters to let them know that anything was possible. If they wanted dance lessons, they could do it. And, and we had them doing crazy stuff. They became so creative that they, I, I remember, we have a fairly long driveway and they would go out on, in the afternoons on hot days and sell water to the neighbors. And it says a whole lot about our amazing neighbors that they would come and they would pay money to buy water and Dixie cups from our girls and tell our girls that we had the best tasting water in the whole neighborhood. And they would come in, mom, you know, Charlie Smith says we have the best tasting water in the whole neighborhood. And, you know, he'd give them $5 or whatever. And they thought that that was just so amazing. And so they learned that no was not in our vocabulary, that it was just a matter of finding a way and finding a different way to go after whatever it is that you want and just pour a whole bunch of tenacity on it and light that on fire and give it enough time, it'll happen. Talk about that tenacity. You just <laughs> put, a, put a pile on a whole bunch of tenacity and light it on fire. Love oh, that. That's code for stubbornness. That's, that's code for not <laughs> giving up, right? Ah. Hmm. love that you also talked a little bit about how you would allow them to fail gracefully oh, what, do you, I, what do you mean by allowing people to fail gracefully what does that what do you mean by that i i feel like i have not done enough given myself enough grace and space when i have had failings and things that mattered to me um everything from professional failings to the failure of my marriage, you know, just, I mean, it's, it's tough and failure is not fun, but when, when they would have something that that didn't work out for them, um, the way that they hoped that it would just trying to be there with them. And instead of trying to fix it, and instead of trying to kiss it better and put a Band-Aid on it and pat them on the head and tell them to run along, that it'll be okay, I tried to be there with them and, and make it safe for them to express their disappointment, their sorrow, their, their grief. Um, I, one of my daughters was uh, probably 10 days, two weeks away from her wedding when she called it off. She called it off. And, and she was devastated by that for a while, even though she knew that it was the right choice. How many times have we had opportunities to leave a job or a relationship and we knew it was the right choice and yet it's still really hard. And so holding space for the both, though I call it the both and, and I, I usually am wearing an ampersand necklace 
to remind me that it, it's okay to have the both and. It's okay to grieve the relationship and be excited about what's next. It's okay to be sad about what didn't work out and and say, okay, what can I learn from this? Where where are the gifts in this in this messy situation? And to just be there and listen with them. And then there were a lot of parties. We call them um, parties in the car. We had a lot of a lot of dance parties in the car. A lot of very loud Backstreet Boys and NSYNC in the car. <laughs> and <laughs> when they realized that not every parent does that when they would drive with other people, I remember my my second daughter Bryn. She was like, "Mom." other moms don't do what we do and like yeah that's too bad for them (laughs) (laughs) and just creating the space for for sadness the space for joy i mean like ecclesiastes there really is a time for for love and for joy and for pain and for all of it right and i've heard it said that there's three things that are important when we're trying to teach our children example example and example and that's the (laughs) good news and the bad news, right? Um, yes. As far as uh, as far as having uh, daughters who are independent and go getters, I think you showed that example, and I think making it fun, like you said, that's awesome. Um, oh well, let's talk about example for a second, because I love that, and that that's very true. We are all always an example, whether it's a good example or a bad example is a whole another conversation. But yeah, and I certainly have had my moments of not. Um, of helping them to see who they did not want to be and what they didn't want to have. And I had that growing up as well with my stepmom, like, whoa, I never want to be a smoker. I'd, I'd never been around anyone who smoked. And all of a sudden now there's this woman living in my our new house and she smokes and I didn't want that. So deciding who and what we don't want to be is a decision for all of us. And we're all, all examples all the time. Yeah, Absolutely. Backing up just a little bit, what are some of the kinds of questions you would ask when you're trying to get your, uh, to help your, your daughters move along? Some of the questions, when you, what, what would you say? If they said, hey, I want a new car, I want something like, what would, how would you kind of guide them to be independent? What, what would you say or do with the questions? I would back it out and okay, what kind of car do you want? And okay, how much is that going to cost? And okay, how many hours a week do you need to work doing what in order to get that? So yeah, questions like that. Let them come up with the answer. And let them think it through. I love that. Guide them instead of saying, hey, this is what you need to do. Let me ask. Let's let's let you ask. I like that. Well, Cheryl, yep. this is awesome. If, is there any advice that you would give to parents who want to raise independent, awesome, go-getting, tenacious children? Sometimes that's going to hurt. And sometimes they will run to you and sometimes they will run from you and your advice and your beliefs. And, and that's tough. And just seeing the bigger picture and seeing our children through the eyes of love, um, always, regardless of whether their decisions align with ours. And it's harder when they're adults. When they're kids, when they're teenagers, we can ground them, whatever. But when they're older and they make a decision and they're hurting from it, that's tough. That's really tough. As much you can do on that. Yeah. No, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate your um, sharing that with us. You know, I heard someone say, no matter what the, no matter the question, love is the answer. 
And love is that, the answer always. Being able to just show love even when um, they may make decisions that are hard for you to watch because you love them so much, but just keep loving them. Absolutely. And, and ultimately, that my experience is they, if they know, if they really truly know that you love them no matter what, and you're there for them to hold space for them and be with them and not judge them or criticize them or make them feel bad about their decision and just, yeah, kiddo, that that's really hard. That's really right. hard. Um, and doing that from a place of love is, um, they will, they will come back. They will. Now, Cheryl, tell us what you're involved with now. You actually help people along to try to achieve their dreams. Is that right? Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing currently? I love that. I, I love that. Yes. Um, I, I help individuals to connect with and own their story as I have worked, done that work myself so that they can unmute themselves and and speak up and speak out and deliver their own command performances and high stakes conversations, whether that's with a partner or a spouse or with a child, or whether that is them wanting to take and own their, their next big stage. And whether that's with shareholders or to become a public speaker and build an, a public speaking business, I love coaching and helping individuals to, to do that every step of the way. And for me, a huge piece of that has been the study of personality and identity and, and answering the question, who are you really? Um, where, given my background, did my personality come to me from my adopted parents? I mean, nature versus nurture. Did it come from my birth family? Um, did it come from, from my heavenly parents? Where, where did I come from? And just being able to answer that question and helping people gain the clarity and awareness about their strengths so that they can lean into and lead from their strengths is game changing in, in both personally and professionally. I love that. How can people get a hold of you if they want to get, get some of you? <laughs> some of your inspiration, your coaching. They can go to my calendar, uh, my calendar scheduling app, Clarity with Cheryl, Cheryl with a C dot com and schedule time. I, I love hearing meeting people from all over the country and other countries and, and learning about their story and, and just hearing how I can help and support them in any way. Um, we have a YouTube channel. Um, my podcast, as of the recording of this podcast, um, my podcast is still Magnifying Brilliance. And we are going to keep that up there. But we do have a new one coming out that we'll be launching right around um, the 1st of September, which will be really fun. So there will be more of me and then more of me. Love it. So we'll put that in the show notes for those of you listening who'd like to get a hold of Cheryl. Cheryl, thank you so much for being on the show. If there, I, I like what you said at the end there. When our children make tenacious children, they're going to make us so proud. And sometimes it might be hard to see, but loving them really is the answer. And I, I love how you, uh, how I, you delivered that. Um, anything else you would let our par our our parents or people here who are concerned about families know before we go? Um. I love what you said about our superpower and my, my mindset coach uh, taught me something very similar that it, that which we were denied usually in childhood is the gift that we are here to give. And so just for each of us to recognize we are all on our own hero's journey and um, 
and recognize that you have gifts to give. You have gifts to give your children. You have gifts to give professionally. You have gifts to give your community. Um, and, and I feel like part of my superpower is I, I see others and, and I allow myself to be seen, which was something that, you know, if you had told me that when I was in junior high, I would have thought you were insane. Um, because yeah, I, that, no, I don't. And no, I can't. And my birth mother looks at what I do for a living and she just, she doesn't, she can't believe it. She, it's so foreign to her, her, her public speaking experience, um, entailed, uh, she had to give a presentation when she was in elementary school and she got up to give it before the class. And she was so nervous that she passed out. She hit her head on the desk, spent the rest of the day at the nurse and has never spoken in public since. So when I met her right before my 50th birthday, she well, I, you do what? You do what for a living? She really, truly can't believe it. And and yeah, I I do thank you for helping me see that in myself, saying that I that 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 is a superpower now. And because it was it was a weakness that that was allowed to be turned into a strength. And we all have that ability, all of us. I'm not unique in that. We all can do that. I'm getting tingles as you said, really, that your pain becomes our superpower. Well, so the stuff that's hard for you later is what you end up blessing the world with. So, yes. so I love that. Very true. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for being on the show today. And thank you for we'll having sure, me. Yeah, sorry. We will make sure that any, if you want to get a hold of Cheryl, that we'll put her contact information in the show notes. And uh, thanks again for being with us today.